Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today, Rachel and I are going to be talking all things fool, all things foolish, all things about fools. And we're going to be talking about what a fool is, how the Bible defines a fool, and how we can discern whether someone is is just behaving foolishly or whether they are actually a true bona fide fool. And we'll also be able to talk about and discern whether or not we are fools. And Rachel's going to talk a little bit more about uh, about that in a minute. So I I just want to start. So first of all, hi Rachel. Hi, Natalie. <laughs> um, first of all, I want to just start off by saying that um, telling a little bit, a little story, because um, I think it'll just set this whole conversation up. I was in a destructive marriage for 25 years, and I remember about, and I, you know, I knew right from the beginning that there we had a problem. The main problem was that no matter what happened in my relationship my uh, ex-husband was not, he was not able to ever admit that he was wrong about anything. And so, you know, so we never could resolve any conflicts unless I said that I was the one to blame and took the blame and said, I was sorry and asked for forgiveness. And so that kind of cycle just was going on and on for many, many years. And I remember one day about, you know, probably, I don't know, 18 years into it when I was sitting in a wooden rocking chair in my bedroom and I was reading through my Bible and I came to the book of Proverbs. So I had this habit of reading through my Bible every year since I was a teenager. So I was really familiar with the Bible, but I also had a certain lens that I read the Bible through every year. So I would learn new things, but it was always under the same sort of lens that I had on, which was a very fundamentalist conservative lens. Anyway, I got to the book of Proverbs and I started reading and I realized that every time it was talking about a fool, that it was describing this thing which was that they could never admit that anything was wrong, that they were wrong about anything. And I, I don't know why. I, I think maybe I had seen it before, but I just never, I, I really was in a lot of denial about the seriousness of my situation. But I think I realized that, I realized then it hit me in the stomach that I was actually married to someone like that. And I even wondered though, if I was a bad person for actually even thinking the thought that my husband, who I was called to respect and honor and think well of, believe the best about, was a fool. That that thought ran through my head. I felt guilty that that thought ran through my head, and I felt like I was a bad person. And yet, as, and yet I did start underlying underlining all of those passages in Proverbs that described a fool. And I started, then I started making a list in my journal of all those things and realized with horror that no matter how guilty I felt or how bad I felt that I was having that thought, 
there it was in black and white in front of me. And maybe I wasn't the one having that thought. Maybe that was actually how God defined my husband. And that made me sad and also a bit terrified. Like, what am I going to do with this? So that is when I, and actually shortly after that, you know how God sometimes brings a lot of things together at one time. It's like he's trying to get something in front of you and give you a message. A friend gave me the book, Foolproofing Your Life by Jan Silvius. And I had never seen that book before or heard of it before, but I started reading it and realized that, yes, indeed, this, that was the situation that was going on. And now I had to try to figure out what to do about it. So Rachel, did you have any, uh, you know, did you have an experience like that or when did you start? It was only after I started really coming to terms with the reality of what had been going on in my marriage. And then I went to Proverbs and it was so validating to see that, see it there. And I had never had the courage, I don't think, to step up and think in my own mind that this was what was happening because I loved and I love my husband, ex-husband so much that I didn't want to think badly of him. Like you said, I didn't want to believe that this man that I, whose reality I lived in and who, you know, seemed so wise and always had an explanation for everything could actually be so incredibly foolish. And actually the most dangerous type of fool, which is the willful fool, fool, someone who knows better, but um, continues in being um, proud and not open to correction and unwilling to learn. So it's been um, very validating to go back and see that um, God has so much to say about relationships and different types of um, people and advice to give about who to avoid. And it's not only the, the Ephesians 5 and you know 1 Corinthians uh, verses about marriage that apply and give us guidance about life. It, there's actually guidance about life and relationships and and people and evil um, throughout the entire Bible that we can apply and, and glean the principles to and apply them, um, even though we don't live in Bible times anymore. Yes. So, yeah, it's been a, quite a journey. I'm still learning about what it looks like to avoid fools in my life. Right, because right. they're kind, they're you know, there's a reason why the, uh, there's a whole book in the Bible that that talks about fools over yeah. and over and over and over again. There's a, and it seems so distant. Like I wasn't before I wasn't ever really able to see how it applied. It was like, Oh, those are back then. It just, I, I just never made the connection that this was actively speaking to me and, and applied in my daily life here. And, um, you know, in this modern time, but actually, you know, there's these types of people who have been around, for as long as there have been people. <laughs> right. <And> so <laughs> being able to glean the, the truth and the, the kernel of wisdom there is so key. Okay. I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, in Matthew five twenty two, it says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So this is, I think, one of the verses where someone like myself with a very, um, perhaps even overactive conscience um, that was uh, cultivated by living with a fool, (laughs) one who 
constantly tells you that you're stupid and you've got bad motives, et cetera. Um, I, I, this was a verse that really pricked me and I felt condemned because I didn't, I don't want to go around accusing other people of being a fool. That's Jesus really warns us about that. Doesn't he in this verse? It's pretty clear. (laughs) Right. We're not supposed to judge people. And he, you know, he's the one that, that judges rightly. So. Yeah. So how can we use that, his judgment instead of um, what he warns against? And I think it really, what Jesus says saying in that, in that context, this is the, um, the, amount. He's really calling the Jews of that day to task because they were so focused on outward appearances and they were, you know, always following every stroke of the law is what he said. And he was calling them to pay attention more to their hearts instead of the, you know, every single tiny little outward action um, because their hearts were so far from God. And so I think what he's warning against here is just going around and accusing people falsely and um, trying to uh, maybe control them or condemn them. Actually, I think what you could say is he's he's warning against verbal abuse. Don't go around mm-hmm. and, and call people falsely what they're not. Because even if we come to the point where we realize that our husbands are fools, I don't think it's probably the best um, course of action to just to storm into the next room, you know, where he is and start screaming at him that he's a fool. That's not the wisest decision to make, right? right. That's not, um, that doesn't show that um, our hearts are uh, actually loving towards them. So we can, we can choose to love even if we do come to the very sad realizations that the people that we chose our life to spend our life with are fools. Right. So, well, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to jump in and say, you know, even the the story in the Bible about uh, Abigail, who was married to, the Bible identifies her husband as a fool, Nabal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't, it, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about her disrespecting him or verbally abusing him and calling him the fool that he is, mm-hmm. but she does disobey him, mm-hmm. does stand up and do what's right, even though he, mm-hmm. in his sheer and utter foolishness, uh, you know, tells her to do what's wrong. Right. She does what's right in the face of what he does. And so in, in a sense, in that day and age, that you could say that she was defying him, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And God blesses her for it. And, and God ends up destroying Nabal in the long run. But actually, it was in the short run. I think it was within a matter of it was days. Very, yeah, very immediate. So she um, said to David, his name means fool. She called it for what it was. She right. wasn't saying that derisively. She was just stating a fact. Right. So I think there's a difference between calling someone a name and identifying the reality of someone's behavior. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's about the, the position of your heart. Are you doing, uh, you know, and I think that's that we are called to always examine our own hearts and see what our motivations are. And it can be tricky because as I, as I referenced, you know, we've had people telling us what our motivations are and telling us who we are and they're it's, it's not correct. And so I think it's important to look at our fruit. Are we choosing to love? Um, are we choosing to pursue love? You know, obviously we're not perfect, uh, but how can we do the next thing in love as you've talked about Natalie um, and, and also choose to see the truth of who we are and who others are yeah. and not live in denial, but live in reality. Yes. Okay. So one of the things that I think we should do um, in this episode is as far as the fool thing is make sure that listeners know how God defines a fool. What exactly 
is a fool according to the Bible. And there are actually, I think it's really, really clear. If you read Proverbs, you can, you know, you can read Proverbs through. And I encourage people who are listening, who wanted to explore this further to actually take a highlighter and highlight all of the verses that talk about a fool and what a fool does, what a fool, how a fool thinks, um, what their behavior is like. Um, one of, one of the verses is Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, mm-hmm. but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. So a fool, because they already believe that they are right about everything, they, why would they listen to anybody else? They, yeah. Everyone else is wrong and they're right. And this is one of the ways you can tell. Now, this is not to say that whenever someone fights for what they believe or has an opinion that's different from yours, that then that makes them a fool, obviously, right? Because everyone has different opinions about things. Yes. How you would identify a fool is someone who chronically, that means over the course of like their lives, Mm -hmm. they err towards always believing that they are right and they err towards not listening to someone else's counsel. And this goes for a husband-wife relationship. Sometimes I think in conservative circles, we think, well, the husband is always right because of what hangs between his legs. He must be, you know? <laughs> and the, mm-hmm. is this, does this even make common sense? Mm-hmm. That based on well, your gender? And then can we, can we does this, like, do we uh, get into racism then as well? Does it matter what color you are? Does that mean, you know, does your color determine whether or not you're right? I mean, this is how, this is where we go into just total and utter insanity, right? And yeah. we're not even yeah. being rational anymore. Right. But, but there are people who actually blindly believe that, well, you know, God speaks to the husband. And so therefore, if the husband has a different opinion than the wife and it comes down to it, then it's the husband's opinion that's the correct one. And the wife's is not correct. And the wife needs to, you know, it's just it's it's an example of people adding to the Bible what is not there and failing to accurately interpret and discern the heart of what God's purpose is for husband and wives. And I do want to point out, you know, we talk about Abigail and Nabal and how Abigail defied her husband because he was a fool. Well, there is an example in the New Testament of a wife who did not defy her husband when she when he was choosing um, to lie to the disciples about his gift of this land. It was. Um, Annas and Sapphira. And so what did, what was the price? He died and then she died because he, she was committed to his foolish ways. Yep. So I think there's a pretty stark example, um, of, of what, how God sees this. Uh, and we need to think about that really carefully because there, I mean, there's so many ways to get tripped up here, right? Right. And start believing and start adding things and start acting like you can be more holy if you, if you add things. Well, guess who did that too? That was um, the, the Jews, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees of Jesus's day. They loved adding things so they could be more holy. Let's avoid that trap. Yes. Okay. So a fool doesn't accept feedback. Yep. They, don't, they don't take feedback. And that doesn't mean that they never take feedback. They, I, I know that some men or, or women for that matter. Um, they are picky about who they'll take feedback from, but for the most part, they resent feedback. 
especially if you're coming to them and you, you sit down and you say, you know, this is the way your behavior is affecting me. And it requires, you know, a significant turnaround repentance on their part. There, I mean, in my experience, there's always going to be some excuse and then turning around to say how I'm demanding too much or expecting too much. And I'm the one with the problem. <laughs> yes. So yes. Sh- shifting the blame back on you. Right. So it's marked by a significant amount of pride. There's no humility, no, not, you know, hardly any self-reflection. Um, they'll, they maybe say they are, and then they always come back with, but you're, you're the one who's wrong. And I'm, I'm the, one, the one who's right because of this, this, and this. Yes. And it, hand in hand with that comes the, a lack of compassion and understanding yeah. for another human being's experience. Right. Which does that sound like Christ? Was Christ... did he just have a really hard time empathizing with the experiences of other people? (laughs) No. His compassion was so beautiful. He looked at the people, uh, you know, it says in uh, one of the gospels about how Jesus saw the crowds and he was just overwhelmed with compassion for them because they were weary, like, like sheep without a shepherd. And uh, that is love. And, and, um, true, the true heart of a servant is to be able to look at someone and understand their experience. Yes. Okay. Let's, let's look at another uh, verse in Proverbs here. Um, Proverbs 18.2 says, a fool does not delight in understanding, but only revealing what is in his own mind. Mm-hmm. And Proverbs eighteen six, a fool's lips bring strife, and his mouth calls for blows. Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting because there were times when the things that came out of my ex's mouth caused me to just want to pull my own hair out, but it also it caused me to feel a great amount of animosity and frustration and just mm-hmm. wanting to react and um in violent ways. You know, yeah. there were a couple of times that I picked up and it, I I picked up my own well twice I did this actually several years apart, but one time I picked up a teacup, a, a teacup that was important to me and I threw it across the room against the wall and it crashed into a million pieces Yeah, because I think in my mind, I wanted to show him, show him that this was so devastating to me yeah. that it was worthy of breaking one of my teacups. I think I was trying to get his attention. Yeah. Well, your words had failed. You had said the same things over and over and over again. It was like talking to a brick wall. Right. Right. So you're trying to get his attention. Right. So when it says his mouth calls for blows, (laughs) it's like that to me is that what comes out of their mouth. It's like... you just want to, and I think, I mean, think about how many, you know, barroom brawls happen. They mm-hmm. happen because people are being fools, right? Yes, They're being fools. They're saying foolish things are coming out of their mouths. They are not trying to understand another person's perspective. They're not yeah. coming at a conversation from a place of rational, logical thinking. They're just spewing forth foolishness and it calls for blows. 
yeah. you know? And then Proverbs 18, seven, a fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are the snare of his soul. Hmm. So, you know, I used to, when I, when it finally came, I spent several years debating about leaving my ex-husband and we were separated for a couple, we were in home separated for a year and then separated for two years uh, physically. And then uh, the divorce process took another almost two years. Mm -hmm. But during all of that time, I felt sad that I had to be the one that was initiating the end. Well, it felt like I was the one initiating. I look back on that now. And the reality is that that, that foolishness and that destructive emotional abuse was mm-hmm. the cause of the end of our relationship. Yep. But because I was the one that initiated the separation, initiated the divorce process, initiated getting out, I felt, I still had that feeling of, oh, I feel like it's all my fault because I'm the one that's actually putting the closure on it, you know, tying it off and ending it. Okay. Yeah. But but this verse is a a fool's mouth is his ruin. I mm-hmm. was not the ruin of my ex-husband. No. Women who leave their their ex-husbands or their husbands, they are not their husband's ruin. Their their husband's lips are the and we're talking, you know, in this podcast I want to be clear. Yes, women can be the perpetrators. Women yes. there are emotionally abusive women and yes. there are women who are fools. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This podcast though in and my website is f- to help women of faith deal from emotional abuse. So if you're a man listening and you're hearing this and you're going, oh, it's not fair, you know, my wife was the one that did it. Well, that may very well be, and you'll just have to change the gender, okay? But, yeah. but, not, but because we're trying to help women of faith, we're going to obviously come at it from that angle. So anyway, right. his lips are the snare of his soul. When, yeah. when, our, when, when fools end up reaping the consequences of their behaviors. Um, And sometimes it can take many, many years because sometimes they're surrounded by people who really love them and care for them and give them bazillions of chances. But um, ultimately it's their own lips and their own mouths that are their ruin and the snare of their souls. So I think that's important to point out. It comes, I didn't say it, God said it. Yes, exactly. It's going to come at some point. It may not happen the first year, second year, 20th year of your marriage, but it's, it's going to come at some point, um, to where the, 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 the lips create this ruin, this destruction, um, around himself. And I do want to make a point, a broader point, Natalie, about the church, because I know I've sat through a lot of sermons that talk about the destruction of the tongue and the power of the tongue. And it always felt for me, it was very abstract or, um, and honestly convicting though, because, you know, I've said th- stupid things that I regret and, um, you know, you always, everyone can, you know, let things slip that they don't mean or say things in a way that they don't mean. But it, it seems like the church has a hard time making the connection between a purposefully destructive tongue and what that looks like in everyday life, what that can look like in a marriage, what that can look like for a parent to a child. And I just, it's, I think that's a failure on the part of the church to really make those connections in modern day life and and call out what that looks like. I agree. I agree. It's almost like, I think there's a fear 
of stepping yeah. on toes. Yeah. There's a fear of convicting certain people. Actually, there's a fear. How many times did you feel afraid to confront your husband, your ex-husband, because you knew that if you confronted him, you, you were going to get, he, you were going to raise his wrath and you were going yes. to get blamed and shamed and attacked. Yes. I, I can't tell you how many times I, I was someone who was able to stuff the hurt and anger and then turn it over in my mind and brood on it and then try to figure out, you know, a way to go to him, you know, in the perfect moment and say the perfect words and try to finally get through to him, you know, and um, I can't tell you how many times I put my hope in that. And it was in different forms. I would write him letters. I would, you know, approach him after a meal or um, talk to him after, you know, physical intimacy or something like that. And it never worked. My hopes yep. were dashed every single time. Yep. It was never about those things. It was about the foolish state of his heart. That's right. That's right. Okay. Another Proverbs says, uh, which helps us understand what a fool is and does is Proverbs 29, nine. When a wise man has a controversy with a foolish man, the foolish man either rages or laughs and there is no rest. (laughs) Oh, was your husband someone, your ex-husband someone who was, who just delighted in, in crude humor and was always able to make a joke out of everything and would smirk at you. That was my, my ex-husband. Everything was a joke. If I said something, a word that he found funny as I was making, you know, a really um, meaningful point, he got caught up on that. And suddenly we're off talking about this funny word or something I said. Yes, exactly. My, yeah. my ex-husband was not crude. He, he actually was a, had a very clean mouth. Okay. Where he was actually very careful about that kind of thing, but yeah. definitely, definitely made light of and made fun of and uh, tried to make a joke out of everything that was serious. Uh, yeah. If he wasn't angry, so it would be either be mm-hmm. an angry response, right, and a shaming, devaluing response to me, or he would make a joke of it and try to make light of it. Yeah. Um, but either way, you felt devalued and dishonored as a human being, you know, you felt dehumanized really. Right. Because they're not recognizing your experience. They're ignoring what you're saying. Um, it is, I, I can't think of, there's almost really no words for what it feels like um, to, to just sit there and, you know, have prepared in your mind and wrote down notes, um, to bring to them and to see them react in such a, a lighthearted, um, dehumanizing way. It, it's just, it's soul crushing. Right. It really is. Um, I've seen that happen too with these men and talk to other women where they do this to their kids. Their kids yeah. come to them and they make fun of their kids or yeah. laugh about something serious. And it's devastating to children when a father does that. And um, the thing that they, my husband, my ex-husband would say if I would call him out on that is that my sense of humor was really poor. Yes. And yes. I tell you, you, you and I, Natalie, you have wonderful senses of humor. That is so far from the truth. Right. And we can laugh at ourselves. We don't, we don't, we're not, take, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Right. But, you know, there is a time to be serious and, and to take things seriously. And um, Romans talk, Romans um, 12 talks about, you know, laughing with those who laugh and weeping with those who weep. It's, it's empathy. 
Right. So what we're called to do as Christians, and it is such a failure for them to continue to just make light of it and to dismiss it and to, to act like you're so silly and yep. you just don't have a sense of humor and you don't get it. Yep. Um, Proverbs 26, 11 says, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who returns to his folly. Yeah. And, I mean, and how many times did you feel like you were going around in circles and you just, it was the same thing happening mm-hmm. over and over and over again? Yeah. And I think this is um, for the women who maybe are separated or who are looking for change in their husbands. I think that's why it's so important to make sure that if there is any change, that it is over a long period of time because they are, they may be able to hold, um, you know, to, to put on a cloak of um, seeming like they are changing for a little bit, but they can't do it for a long time. They probably will return to that vomit at some point, whether it's three months or six months or a year. Right. So I think it's really important to see that consistent change over a period of time. Yep. Here's another one. Proverbs 27.3 says, A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but the provocation of a fool is heavier than both of them. Don't we know that? <laughs> I don't think people on the outside, people who do not live with this kind of provocation on a regular basis... They don't understand the heaviness, yeah. the weight of that burden. It's huge. And it, it really, I felt like I was obsessed with, I mean, this was, this was the problem that I had to try to solve for years and years and years, the problem of what to do with the constant provocation that I was under. Yeah. He, uh, oh gosh, it, it, it just, even now as I'm sitting here, like, I can feel the way just thinking about it makes my brain go staticky. Like, yes. like you know, you're just, you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to um, find some edge, some toehold of getting through and um, making a difference and finding a solution because you, you love your family and you love this man and you want this to be okay and solve this problem together. Cause that's what we're supposed to do. We're partners and it it's overwhelming. And it defies description. Yes, it does. People who are listening and and do know what we're talking about, they're they're saying they're amen nodding right now. Right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Proverbs thirteen twenty says, "He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm." And the actual interpretation, the actual um, uh, Hebrew. For the word companion means he who grazes in the same pasture with. So he who grazes in the same pasture with a fool, and the and the word fool translated there means stubborn, dull, and arrogant, will suffer harm. And that word translated is translated or means destroyed. So if you graze in the same pasture with Meaning if you live with somebody, that means you're eating, drinking, living, moving, breathing with someone who is stubborn, dull, and arrogant, you will be destroyed. That's what that proverb is saying. You can't get more than that. 
No, it, it no, you can't. And I'd like to say too that you know I I've, I've said this in other places, but people will. I heard this from the church that excommunicated me. They didn't believe that emotional abuse was a thing. They kind of poo pooed it. Oh, that's ridiculous. Right. No. Yes, if you if if you were getting black and blue eyes and you know your arms were getting broken and then then we would understand what was going on in your your life. But you certainly are not. That is not what God says. God says here, the Bible says that people who are living with fools will be destroyed. They'll be destroyed. And that is a, that's a serious thing. Destruction happens not, it doesn't just happen. We aren't just physical bodies. We are spiritual beings and we are emotional beings and we have brains. Brain, your brain, actually, people who are emotionally abused, their brains actually, I think we talked about this in a different podcast, they've done Im- images of brains of people who have post-traumatic stress disorder and brains that have been on drugs. And their brains have the same, in the same areas of their brains are actually damaged. So it does do, phys- there, it is a physical abuse. It, it physically affects your hormone balance. It physically affects your, um, your endocrine, your immune system, your blood pressure, your brain function, all kinds of, par- all kinds of uh, internal organ issues can occur because of constant stress of living with someone who is a fool. Yeah. And someone who refuses to see that and really think about this problem is being foolish themselves. They're not looking at things um, with wisdom and discernment. They may have pride that's preventing them from wanting to see the truth of this. Um, and, And pride is, I think, and obviously that's a big characteristic of a fool, but it is so devastating. I think that's really at the key of the core of what all of this is, is pride and refusal to see the truth and to um, humble yourself to experience what someone else has gone through. Yes. In, in fact, that actually is a perfect segue into the next verse, which is Proverbs 14, 7. Leave the presence of a fool or you will not discern words of knowledge. And mm-hmm. I really believe that there are, well, there were people in the, the church that, I, that excommunicated me who, um, you know, I, at the time that I was working, they were working with me, I was working with them. They, um, I didn't, I didn't want to believe that they were also fools, Mm -hmm. but I realized later that they were looking back at the way that they handled the situation. Mm -hmm. They were also foolish. They, Mm -hmm. so they were actually rubbing shoulders with fools. They -hmm. were defending fools and they were also foolish. And it says here to leave the presence of a fool or you will not discern words of knowledge. When we hang out with fools they rub off on us. We can become mm-hmm. foolish ourselves or, and, or I think part of this too is we don't, we become fu- fuzzy headed, mm-hmm. you know, like you were talking about, it makes your brain go, you know, bonkers. Staticky, yeah. Yeah. Staticky. That was the word you used. Mm-hmm. You can start like you, things start fritzing out because there mm-hmm. are disconnections that start happening. Mm-hmm. They tw- Fools will do anything to, will use, they'll twist words and um, do crazy mental gymnastics that cause you to actually start fritzing out inside. And, yes. and it's hard then to unravel 
the logic because there is no logic there. It's not a rational, yeah. you've not, you've entered into the, twi- I always used to say, I am now, I used to call it the twilight zone or Alice. And I would say I'm Alice in Alice in Wonderland. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, where I'm in a place now where logic does not count. You can't have a rational conversation. Everything is twisted and upside down. And now I don't know what to do. Like I can't find up from down or east from west. And it's in my current, I'm remarried. And in my current relationship, I have never, ever once experienced that disoriented feeling. Mm-hmm. Never, ever mm-hmm. once. Everything, everything is rational and logical and normal. And it's, yep. it's a beautiful thing. That's like a normal relationship. Yeah, it is beautiful. And I think when we're realizing when our eyes are open to what fools look like in our life, it can be overwhelming because you start to realize this person, maybe not your husband, but like you were saying, your church leaders that you realize were foolish. It can be overwhelming because these are people that you've trusted, you've loved, you've done life with, and you you wanted them to be the person you wanted them to be, someone that godly and walking with the Lord, et cetera. And so it really requires you to take people off the pedestal of God in your life and really look to God as God and realize that every single person, no matter how righteous they may seem, what kind of, you know, how, how well they could, they can twist logic or make their points. They, they may be foolish and you've got to act accordingly. Right. It's painful. It is painful. It is. It is painful. There is no easy way of dealing with a fool, but let's actually Let's actually talk a little bit before we close about what we can do if we are exposed to a fool either in our workplace or maybe even there's a, I had a couple of friends that are no longer friends of mine, but that I, when, once I started learning about this stuff, I realized one of the reasons why I kept butting heads with them is because they had all, they had all of these earmarks of being Mm -hmm. a fool Mm -hmm. and, um, And so anyway, so what do you do with a fool? One of the things that, and let's look at the Bible. What does the Bible say? Right. Proverbs 19, 19 says, a man of great anger shall bear the penalty. For if you rescue him, you will only have to do it again. And so what I get from that is that you can correct a fool if you want to. You can give him feedback if you want to, but it's never going to work. Yep. They're never going to say, oh, now I get it. Oh, okay. You're never going to have a meeting of the minds. Because one of the marks of a fool is they are unable and unwilling to learn. They are not open to correction. They treat whatever righteousness you may want to present them with, um, you know, or whatever you see in their life with ridicule. They're going to ridicule it. So the very problem that you're trying to address is the problem that keeps them in their problem. Exactly. So when they do something that is wrong or destructive in your life, what is what what do we do with that? Well, it's interesting because Proverbs makes it pretty clear that don't don't walk with them. In fact, um, actually, Psalm one talks a lot about. Um, it was pretty it was pretty profound in my life because it talks about how happy is the person who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. Mockers is another word for a fool. Mm -hmm. He's sort of, instead his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. 
He's like a tree planted behind, beside streams of water that bears its fruit in season. So, <laughs> I mean, that, that was really profound for me in thinking about how, um, how to deal with this and, and looking back and saying how I had been sitting in the, com- the company of people who were scornful and um, mockers. It's, it's pretty hard to know how, how, to, how to proceed when you come to these revelations. And it's going to be different for every person, I think. But I think overall, consistently, it says, put some space between yourself and these people. Right. And I think one of the ways, so for, for listeners who actually have to live with them, they're married yeah. to them, or maybe they have a, a child who, well, I, children are always foolish, but I mean, you know, maybe an older <laughs> child who's consistently being foolish or destructive. Um, I think one of the ways that we put distance between them, maybe we can't put physical distance between us and them, but we can put emotional distance between us and them. Yeah. And, and the big piece there is accepting, finally really accepting the reality that you're never ever going to be able to get through to them and you're never going to ever be, you know, part of it, part of our problem is that we want to try to control the destruction. We want to try to minimize it and control it. And we can't do that. I mean, we Mm -hmm. can't control it by controlling them. Mm -hmm. So we have to stop focusing on that other person and getting them to stop because they're never going to stop and they're never going to understand and they're never going to listen. And we need to start looking at, okay, I can't do that. So what can, what can I do myself? Like what can I do to create some emotional distance? Mm-hmm. It, it means emotionally detaching from them. So you stop investing. I mean, I don't consider that a relationship. A relationship that's one way, that's not a relationship. That's yeah. a that's a a caretaking position, you know? Mm-hmm. So now you're taking care of them. Jan Silvius calls it feeding them with a long-handled spoon. So that means you are, <laughs> you know, you're polite to them because we're polite to, you know, when we pass someone on the street, we're polite to them. If they ask us a question, we answer the question, but we don't sit down and have coffee with them and build a relationship with them, right? We just, we answer their question and we move on. We keep walking. So we do that with our, the person that we're living with. We're polite to them. We answer their questions. We maybe, you know, we, we keep conversations transactional. So we don't share our, our inner world with them. They're, they're not sharing their inner world with us. Okay, anyways, right? Because usually they have a wall around them. them. They're not interested. They're, they're, very, they're not vulnerable people. Fools are the opposite of vulnerable. But the problem is that we've been vulnerable with them. And that, that's, that's like saying, that's like opening up your, you know, taking off your clothes with someone who's got a whip in their hand. And mm. we don't do that. We don't, we put our armor on. And, and, but the problem is that Christian people will say, oh no, you need to, you need to be open and vulnerable to everybody, be an open book to everybody. Cause that's, you know, no, the the Bible does (laughs) not teach that. Okay. It does not teach that. We have to be careful about who we're an open book to. And then other people will say, well, if you're married to them, you have to be an open book to them. No, 
if someone is a, if you're married to, was Abigail an open book to Nabal? I don't see any indication of that in the Bible. She did not even tell Nabal what she was doing. She did that behind Mm -hmm. his back. She did what was right behind Nabal's back. She wasn't making herself vulnerable to him. She didn't say, oh, and by the way, Nabal, can I ask permission to do this? Because I, no, she just went and did it. She did what was right. That's called adulting. (laughs) Right. She was shrewd because she knew Nabal's foolishness. She had seen it as a pattern and acted in his life. And so that's what this type of um, action is, is in response to, you know, people, is, we're not saying like, you know, if you just get married, don't open yourself up if your husband is, is a good man who is vulnerable himself. But this is in response. This is, um, you know, being wise with your actions and stewarding, steward, stewarding your life appropriately in response to the environment around you. Right. Jesus was not open with everyone. He was very reluctant to, um, well, reluctant, maybe not the, the best word, but he did not tell people that he was the son of God immediately. He, the first woman he ever told was the um, the woman at the well, that he was the Messiah. And other people he revealed it to as time went on, but he was not vulnerable to all these other people who were crowding around him. Right. The, you know, well, another thing too that I think that we can do that obviously Christ did is always speak the truth. And, and that means speaking the mm-hmm. truth to ourselves. So maybe we can't speak the truth to them, although I think we can. I think we can, when they've said something that's not true, we can say, we can speak the truth. Actually, this is what happened. And then we yeah. walk away. We don't get into an argument. We don't defend ourselves. We don't, um, we don't get into it with them, but we speak the truth for our own benefit and also because it's right to just speak the truth. And I wanted to um I wanted to close with a quote actually by Jan Silvius if I could. Um and then we should probably go cuz we've gone over our time. <laughs> Although this has been I think this has been a great conversation. Um Jan writes oh it, with the idea of letting go, just l- finally surrendering to the the reality that this person is the way that they are and there's nothing you can do, do to change it. <clears throat> she says, "You may be thinking, let go." If I let go, everything will fall apart. I can't let go. What will happen if I neither can anyone else? Oh. Hello? Oh, I think I must have lost you. Yes. We had some technical problems there. Okay. Well, I was just reading a quote from Jan Silvius. Um, Let's see. The only thing you can know is that if you let go, you are making a positive step toward freeing yourself from the complications and chaos that bind you, and you're releasing your fool to the natural consequences of his foolish behavior. When you see the source of your problems and are willing to admit that only God can change your fool, you will have stepped out of denial into reality where only God can work. By letting go, You remove yourself from the fool's realm of influence and you give up responsibility for your fool. It is a conscious effort on your Mm -hmm. part as well as an act of faith. If you will determine to remove your fool from the center of your attention by detaching and leaving him in God's hands, then and only then will you see what God can do. 
So I just thought that was now when I back when I read that book, I was not thinking about getting a divorce. I was actually, you know, just trying to figure out how to live with mine. But um and I suppose I was thinking, well, hopefully, you know, if I let go, then maybe my fool will change. But that's actually not how it works. Mm-hmm. Your f- fools don't change. That's what makes them a fool. It's one of the reasons why they are. I mean, it's just it's just one of the it's like uh, a pig has a snout. It's always going to have a snout, right? It's not going to, you know, if you, if you say, if you finally surrender to the fact that a pig has a snout, that doesn't mean all of a sudden the pig is going to grow an elephant nose. It's always going to have a snout. And a fool, mm-hmm. just because you leave a fool in God's hands doesn't mean the fool is going to change. They're always going to be a fool. But now, now mm-hmm. can a miracle happen? Yes, you know, miracles do happen, but they are few and far between. And God does not go, God does not force people to change. He just, he invites change, but usually foolish people don't want to, and they refuse. Their hearts are hardened. Yeah, exactly. They have hard hearts. So, um, so I would just end with this by saying that if you do surrender your fool to God, don't expect your fool to change, but expect yourself to begin a incredible transforming change that will actually ultimately set you free. And that is Mm -hmm. why we call this flying free because that's ultimately what we want to be doing. Right. And we're the only ones we can control. That's right. The fool fool and their soul are accountable to God just as we are accountable to God. Yes. Okay. I think we're going to stop there. Thank you for joining us and we will See you next time. Bye. No, fly free.